Welcome to the East Career Podcast, brought to you from the East Careers and Trauma Committee. I am David Skarupa from the University of Florida, Jacksonville. In this session, we are pleased to have Dr. Kimberly Davis with us to discuss, is it time to make a career change? Dr. Davis is Professor of Surgery and Vice Chairman for Clinical Affairs at the Yale School of Medicine Department of Surgery. She is the Chief of the Section of Trauma, Surgical Critical Care, and Surgical Emergencies at Yale, as well as the Trauma Medical Director for Yale New Haven Hospital. Prior to being at Yale, she spent eight years on the faculty at Loyola University Medical Center in Illinois. She serves as the American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma Region 1 Chief, Chairman of the Acute Care Surgery Committee for the AAST, and is currently the President of the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma. Dr. Davis, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today and discussing, is it time to make a career change? First of all, knowing when to move. When should one consider changing jobs or institution? How do you know it's time to make a change? And is there an ideal career progression? So I don't think there's any really ideal career progression. Um, the standard line is that you don't want to move careers within three years of starting a job. And I would say that most people, if they decide it's time to change institutions, change around year five to year eight, which is generally in academic surgery when you're going from assistant professor rank to an associate professor rank. I then think that you have to take certain things into account um, as you decide whether or not you're going to move. The first is whether or not you have appropriate support and the ability for career advancement at your current institution, if that is important to you. So if you want to have increasing responsibility or a leadership role in a section and you're effectively capped at your home institution, then it becomes time to think about moving to a new job do a new job, you never want to move because you have to move or because you are leaving a situation that is unpleasant. You always want to make the decision to move a, move a career for the opportunity that you're, that you're joining. So it's not that you're running away from your current job, it's that the opportunity that has been provided for you is better, different more challenging than your prior job. I think too it also depends on um, where you want to be and location-wise. Uh, so for me, uh, my decision to leave Loyola was a difficult one. I was happy in my job. I was advancing in my career at Loyola and I had phenomenal mentorship there. But I'm an East Coast girl and I was living in Chicago. My family is, was getting older. Um, and the opportunity arose to move within 50 miles of, of the rest of my family. Interestingly enough, the job that I took was a job that required a significant amount of rebuilding, would have been a, was actually a huge challenge, um, and an opportunity to make a difference in a, in a program that at the time was in somewhat of, a, of disarray. So again, I think that you have to carefully evaluate what it is that's driving you to move. Um, and not everybody has to move jobs. There have been people who have been successful at their home institutions for 10, 15, 20 years. So it's not 
I've reached the associate professor level. I need to move or people are going to think that I'm stagnating. It's just a question of what opportunity is best to allow you to continue to reinvent yourself and keep you interested in what you're doing. So along those same lines about moving up to a leadership position or moving out of an institution, how does one approach these differently or does one approach them differently? For example, I'm going to make a vertical move. Do I approach this differently than I'm making a lateral move? So I think if, if you're moving institutions, it, it is uncommon that people make lateral moves. Um, there are probably reasons why people would make a lateral move, i.e. needing to ca take care of family, um, et cetera. But I, I think that it's always better to advance your career with each move. Obviously, up until a certain point, there there's only so high you can go in an academic career. Um, but when you're talking about, you know, the mid-career faculty member, um, most people move to assume a new leadership role or a slightly different job or um, have the opportunity for programmatic development. There, there are a number of reasons to move. How does how do you determine that great second job? So that's a really hard one because you never know what the job's going to be until you start. And then you never know what the job's going to be until you've been there for about six months. Um, so I think that, you know, it, it becomes a question of carefully evaluating the opportunity, talking to people who have been in the institution in the past, talking to people who are currently in the insti institution about what they perceive as the strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities, and for that matter, sweat, uh, threats, so a nice SWOT analysis. Um, and then, you know, I have never made a decision in my life career-wise without speaking to people who I view as mentors. And I've been phenomenally lucky in the number of people that have been willing to mentor my career over the last 20 years. Um, but it never hurts to get feedback from people who know you, who know what might be best for you, um, and who are willing to ask the hard questions that you may not be willing to ask yourself. And I think if you don't ask advice before you, you move jobs, you're doing yourself a disservice. So you get the advice from senior mentors, and now you are deciding to go. Do you t talk to your division chief, your chair, your partners? How do you handle that transition? So in my opinion, you're out of your mind if you start looking for a job and you don't tell your division chief and your chairman before you start the search. And the reason for that is that they have invested a significant um, amount of resources and time and effort and mentorship in you as a junior faculty member. And you owe them, to my mind, that, that level of respect to say, I've been very happy here. I'm not unhappy now. I'm not, I, I just think that I need a career change. And I do think that you have to, you, you really do have to have a, a conversation 
with both your division chief and your chairman before you go out on that first interview, because even if people assure you that there's confidentiality and they make every effort to maintain confidentiality, trauma surgery is an extraordinarily tight community. And somebody will recognize you and say, or somebody will have recognized you at the institution and, and seemingly with no malicious intent say, hey, I saw this, this, I saw you, I saw, you know, Dr. Smith at Institution X. What do you think they were doing there? And the gossip mill starts. So you never want to blindside your chairman. You never want to blindside your division chief. You don't necessarily have to speak to your partners. That kind of depends on your relationship with your partners. But I can guarantee that my partners knew I was looking before I looked. Any repercussions from that? I don't think so. As long as you, as long as you handle it as an adult and, and you stress to the person that you're talking to that this is not because you're unhappy. And that, that's kind of why I say you don't ever want to run away from a job. I mean, I think you need to spend the time to make the job a palatable job. Um, and most jobs, quite honestly, if you have an open discourse with the people that you're working with, you can often find a, a satisfactory solution and, and, and make it a comfortable place to practice. So I don't think that there are any repercussions to, um, to reaching out and speaking to your division chief or your chair before you start your search. I think there are repercussions if they hear through backdoor channels that you're looking. The conversation if you are unhappy. I think that's a more difficult conversation to have, but again, you know, you spend so many hours of your life with people that um, I think you need to be open and honest with them. And at the end of the conversation, you can agree to disagree, but I think the conversation needs to be had. And I think it's the mature way to handle a situation that you're uncomfortable in. And we've all had situations at work where we've been uncomfortable where we've had to have a closed door meeting with the chair and the division chief, or just a closed door meeting with the division chief. You never really wanna go ratting out your division chief to your chair without talking to your division chief first. And generally it's better if you're having problems with your division chief to suggest that you and the division chief go and have a facilitated conversation with the chairman. Um, but I think you have, you have to have an honest discussion. And, and at the end of the day, most of us are pretty reasonable individuals. And I think that, that um, a, a middle ground can be reached almost all the time. So you decide to leave after you've had these discussions. How do you ensure you leave in good standing with the leadership within your division and your partners? You can't check out, right? You can't say, ah, oh, well, you know, I don't really need to keep working here because I'm gone in three months. And generally, once you give notice, most institutions request three to six months. Um, so you can't just check out. You have to continue to be a good citizen of the department and a good citizen of the division and continue to do the work that needs to be done. Um, and about a month before you leave, you should probably stop scheduling elective cases, but you should continue emergency call um, and, and really try to close off as, much, as many clinical issues as you can. And those clinical issues that you can't close out, you refer to your partners and you facilitate that referral. So you have the conversation with your patients. I am leaving the institution to pursue another opportunity. I totally trust Dr. Jones. I'm going to trust 
your health care going forward to Dr. Jones. But you don't want to check out, and you, you never want to leave angry, and you don't want to leave the people that you're leaving angry, because as I said before, this is a really, really small community. Do you think this transition is different in a community setting? I'm probably not the best person to ask about that because I've never been in a community setting. So I've been an academic trauma surgeon my entire career. So I don't know poli uh, the politics at a community level, and I, don't, and I do know that all politics are local. But I would say that um, the ideals of good communication are important regardless of where you practice, and I don't think that you want to blindside the people with whom you're working and just kind of disappear one day. Because you never know who you're going to run into, and you never know who they know. And again, you'd be surprised at not only how small the trauma community is, but how small the, the surgical community is. So you don't know that that person didn't train with your next chairman. How are you planning your succession? Which... Succession. <laughs> Succession is in, you know, you are now the, you now are a professor, you're excelled in leadership roles, and you have ascended within the Yale medical community. Are you planning for a succession? So, you know, I've had a couple of job offers. Um, I've had a couple of questions about changing my designator, for lack of a better term, and stepping away from clinical practice and uh, moving into more administrative roles. Um, and those are always difficult decisions to make. At the current time, uh, I am not likely to leave my current role as a section chief um, or as the clinical vice chair. Uh, I will say, however, that my focus, having achieved what I have achieved, has changed. So my, my, my focus when I go to work in the morning, aside from providing good patient care is no longer how can Kim Davis be a more national figure. I'm doing all right. So my job is to work for the eight guys who work for me, and I use the term guys loosely, the eight, eight surgeons who work for me, um, and bring them up through the ranks of national academic surgery the way my mentors did it for me. So for example, and, and any one of my faculty will tell you this is true, if we go to a national meeting and I'm going to the president's dinner, I take one of my faculty with me as my plus one. Not because I can't handle going to a dinner by myself, which may or may not be true, but because when I was a junior faculty member, my mentors took me to the president's dinners and to the president's after parties. And my mentors introduced me to the David Felicianos and the Ken Maddoxes and the Grace Ruzickis and, and the Jerry Jerkoviches and the Gene Moores, all of the icons in trauma surgery. So that by the time I was a low-level assistant professor, I knew these people socially. And there are two things that will allow you to develop a good career. One is to be absolutely brilliant, well-funded, and just publish at every, or present and publish at every major um, national organization. But the other way to be successful and 90% of doing well is showing up and doing the job. 
So networking with people, talking to people, working with people, and if you say you're going to do something for a national organization, following through on your commitment. Because in the long run, all you have is your reputation and your integrity. And those two things, if you hang on to them and you're true to yourself, are going to allow you to progress. So what I tell my junior faculty and actually what I tell people that I'm trying to recruit is my, as far as I'm concerned, I'm done. I mean, I don't need to do any more than I've done. But my job is to bring the people that work with me, for me, however you want to say it, up in the national ranks. And I think I've done reasonably well with that. Most of my, most of my faculty are on national committees for several organizations. Um, it's all about training the people behind you to step into our shoes. As one changes, so to speak, as a mid-level, there's also a possible transition into a leadership role that is less clinical, maybe more hospital administration. Any advice on how to make that transition? No, but I think it's an important one. So those people who are interested in administration, and I'm, I am heavily involved in both hospital and university administration, um, I think that, that people who have a knack for administration or who are interested in, in administration should really seek out and participate in those opportunities because I really think that American healthcare would benefit from having more physician leadership to guide it through this relatively difficult time. Okay, one last question, and you have the final word. What is one thing you'd like to convey to the audience and the members of East? One pearl on making a career change. It sounds silly, um, but it was, it's how I decided not to take an opportunity that was offered to me that was very attractive, but almost totally administrative and hospital-based. Make a list. Make a list of the positives. Make a list of the negatives. Talk to your mentors because they will see things that you don't see. And whatever they tell you, evaluate it as either a positive or a negative, and then look at the piece of paper, and or I guess everybody's computerized now, but, but look at both lists and figure out whether this is a positive thing or a negative thing. Because as, as stupid as it seems, that's a really good way to make a decision. I'm sorry, one more question. What would you change? Oh, I don't know. Um, I've had a pretty good run, actually. You know, if you, if you think about it, who knew, right? Um, I guess I'd, I had some opportunities to do some basic science research early on um, that I didn't follow through on. But I'm not really sure that's me. Um, I don't know. I've had a pretty good run. I don't think I would have changed much. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Davis. My pleasure. Thank you.